We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And guys, one of the great joys of watching tape uh, on players is that every once in a while, you're going to come across something that you're like, I would have never realized that or come to that conclusion had I not watched and and gone back and just taken a, a bit of a closer look. And so I was watching tape on Troy Brown, who he's the last of the new guys that we've acquired that we haven't done a pod on yet. So if you're interested in our thoughts on some of the new guys, we have previous pods you can check out. And this pod will be sort of about Troy Brown. But I want to start with one of the things I realized while I was watching him. My favorite part of his game is that he's a pretty good passer. He has all sorts of like left hand, right hand, bounce pass, scoop passes, no look. He's pretty clever with the ball in that respect. And I realized we actually have several guys that kind of fit that description of a three and D guy who does play defense, isn't necessarily a very good shooter, but can handle the ball a bit and can pass the ball really well. And that attribute of passing, Darius, is something you're one of the people who I know that I think you have one of the keenest eyes for the importance of passing, that attribute in particular. And so I'm curious your thoughts on this. I think we have several guys who we have a couple of guys at the top between LeBron and Russ, or if we make a trade, you know, whomever would would fill that spot, who can attract the defense's attention. Those are the guys that I call those advantage creators. This year, I think we have a lot of advantage extenders. Those guy, those guys who know how to uh, make that swing pass. You always talk on the pod about the swing swing scenario, right? And that is really one of those moments in basketball where you've created an advantage, and now you're just trying to work the ball to that open guy. And a lot of times, that's that corner shooter or someone like that. Where if you swing swing correctly, you're going to get an open shot. I know there's been a lot of criticism about the roster, and I think rightfully so, and it's lack of shooters. But I think we have several passers that are really help us get open. So with that in mind, D, I'm just curious, your your thoughts on that. I don't know if you've watched a ton of Troy Brown, but just in general, I think we got several guys between him, JTA, Stanley, and Austin that are those connector type of players. And I wanted to talk about that today. No, this is interesting because this is a thought that's been on my mind, and I have a 
piece that I'm planning to put together at some point this week on the idea of continuity and how the Lakers rarely have any and the need to conjure continuity is sort of a thought that's been jumping around in my head a lot. And I thought a lot about how the Lakers were able to conjure continuity in the year that they won the championship, even though they had again turned their roster over by more than half. And this is a running theme for me on the pod about how the Lakers continue to churn their roster and churn their roster. And it turns over every single year. And one of the things that we didn't get to a lot in the context of LeBron's extension, which was the last pod that we recorded, was that there is the potential again for the Lakers to hoard cap space and potentially um, sign multiple guys or one large free agent in like 2024, 2025. And it's like this idea again of turning the roster over again by 50%, mm-hmm. 60%, 70%, right? In order to build a title contender. And that flies in the face a lot of this idea of continuity. But one of the ways that you can conjure continuity is through high IQ players and players who know how to play the game. And so this is an idea that's been running through my head a lot in the last week or week and a half. And a guy I plan to talk about a little bit within this context was Troy Brown, because I do see him as falling into that same sort of archetype of player as um, JTA and Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves. These guys who know how to play in the middle of a possession rather than at the start of a possession or at the end of a possession. And mm-hmm. this is an interesting way to think about basketball, Mike. It's like you have your initiators, your shot creator types, right? The players who do a good job of organizing or of or of taking on defensive attention a lot of times at the beginning of a possession. And then you have finishers. You have the guys who end up shooting a lot or who are the recipients of drop-off passes or assists. A lot of their baskets are scored off of assists. But some of my favorite players are the guys who operate in the middle of a possession. And I often like passers because passers to me is and can be a quick sort of cliff notes version of who has basketball IQ. If you can pass and you can make the read within the middle of a play, I often substitute that for knowing how to play, for feel, for basketball IQ. And and so while I didn't speak to any of the questions that Pete had about Troy Brown right now, I just wanted to give my own setup as this idea that I've been thinking about as well, because I do think it's going to be an important thing for this year's Lakers, especially because they've got a whole new team again. And if you don't have these guys who know how to play in the middle of a possession, you're often going to have guys who are out to get their own or guys who are just like, well, I'm just going to finish. But to be a productive and effective basketball team, you need the guys who can play in the middle of a possession. And that's where I see a Troy Brown fitting in a lot for this version of the Lakers. It's funny. Now, I think I'm in that spot where I was before I was on the pod and I would listen to like Pete would make a great point and then Darius would make a great point. And then I would like text you and try to, you know, emerge the how the points hit in my head. And what Pete started about with Brown and like some of his skill set and then Darius picked up with the point about how certain players can almost kind of cheat code um, that connectivity um, if they have a certain type of skill set. 
And then it made me think of Caruso to an extent. Like if, if you put him mm-hmm. on the floor with almost any group of players, all of a sudden it's going to look like they play together for a while because he's smart and he's just figuring out what to do. And, and so, Pete, to kind of kick that back to you, though, what specifically did you see from Brown's game? Are you thinking a little bit more in Washington that second year? Because he, he was not allowed to do that much, right, other than be, do a lot of sh- uh, 3 and D in Chicago. And to add to that question, I also made me think of Juan Toscano Anderson because I think he's that type mm-hmm. of player um, with, the, with the passing and the IQ and the kind of being more than willing to move the ball along. For sure. He's he's absolutely that. And with respect to Brown, there's a certain amount of projection in terms of like he's never played with somebody like LeBron. Uh, our style of offense, what I at least what I think we're going to do this year, is a little bit different than Chicago. Uh, more similar to Washington, but I do think that role in playing alongside stars and those shot creators that Darius was talking about is kind of changes what a player has to do. So it's more based on kind of individual plays where he'll shot fake and he'll kind of like lean over to the side and create a better passing angle and then kind of flip the ball with one hand accurately. And it's the type of thing that if you can make those reads, you can play in about any offensive style. Uh, It's funny, all of these connector types that I've been talking about, most of them are deficient as a scorer. So with Brown in particular, it's, it's funny, like I, I'm not sure how good he is, right? Like, I don't know if he's a rotation player. Let's actually kick this to you because he's someone that I think on paper, he kind of checks a lot of boxes of what you like. And so I I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think there's a certain amount of like, that's the type of guy that I'm looking for. So talk to me about, about that because I think this all plays together. Well, that is the hard part though, right? It's where we get into the show me territory where uh, from Darius school where, okay, well, if you're going to be this productive player, then why weren't you a a more productive player, you know, all told in the last couple of stops. And why did, why was Washington willing to move you on? And why was Chicago willing to move you on? So I I think that that's where I have to be careful with my own expectations, just because I like the body type and I like the, um, I like the length and I like the, the three point percentage, especially after the break. Uh, and sort of the some of the stuff that I see on tape, and it's like there, oh, there's there's something there, but I'm having to couch my own expectations just in the fact that you're able to acquire a player like that um, at the minimum, who I believe just turned 23. Um, so mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a head versus heart thing, and the head is sort of telling you to raise to lower the expectations, but when I'm measuring him against all of the small guards that the Lakers have on the roster and that they used in the last couple of years, um, I just specifically next to LeBron and AD that's the, those are the types of things that I like um from Brown but it's it's like it, this is why I'm I'm more eager to get in and start talking to the coaches and start saying okay so what is he looking like in practice next to these guys and then once we get to the games we can kind of judge it for ourselves well this is where to Mike I think like a player like JTA has a bit of an advantage even though it was with a totally different type of player in Steph versus playing with LeBron. But the important part of being this connective type of player is understanding how to take advantage of the attention that other players draw. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why I think passing is so important within this context is as the star level players or the focal point of the offense players start to get into 
position where they're going to damage the defense or threaten the defense. That's when defenses go on high alert. And that's when all of the intricacies of the game plan start to come into hyper focus for a good defense, especially it's okay. LeBron is on the left block. He's backing his man down. It looks like the fadeaway is coming. We're fine with the fadeaway. Let him shoot that. And that's a classic LeBron turn baseline. I'm shooting over my right shoulder. Beautiful. When LeBron's on the right block and he starts to power dribble left hand, right shoulder into his defender's chest and he's threatening middle, the defense then starts to react differently because LeBron's not going to shoot the fadeaway as often there. He is looking to get into the restricted area and then either draw a foul or shoot over the top of you or compromise the defense in a way where that spray pass is coming. And when you're a weak side player at that point, you have to read it correctly. And you're talking about on offense, right? On offense. Yes. When you're a teammate of LeBron's and this is where all of the Caruso craft that we all fell in love with was on full display. How many times did you see Caruso act like he was going to cut to the basket, but instead he's actually setting a flare screen? Right. Or he's setting some sort of pin screen that's going to allow another teammate to drift to the corner while then Caruso is going to circle back up towards the top in order to come into LeBron's line of sight. And then how many times would Caruso act like he's going to set that screen, but he's actually going to slip it and go back door and then lurk sort of on the weak side and wait for that pass to come. And it's those sort of understanding things that I saw way more of that from Austin Reeves last season than I did basically mm-hmm. of any other player that was on the roster. So just real quick, after I started working in the NBA for a couple of years, and especially after listening to Kobe and Phil Jackson speak and just kind of understanding the game better. And back when I was still playing some pickup, uh, which I basically retired from now, I would just, I was like, so you don't really call anything, especially if you're playing with guys you haven't played with. You kind of just get out there and uh, it, when it's not organized. But what I would always do, I would just go randomly set screens right within like on offense. And in, invariably, if some if you have one person just doing that and it made me think of Caruso, um, just hit somebody with a back screen. And if the other person knows what to do and, and or the person with the ball knows to do knows what to do, you don't have to have like some clever offense. You don't have to. It's just Mm -hmm. because you're putting the defense at a disadvantage that they cannot prepare for. And that's the stuff that like that heady. But it takes two, Pete. You know, it takes at least two guys. Yeah, sometimes three. Yeah. And and (laughs) sometimes three. But like that's where that's where like with LeBron, if you just give him one or two other guys on the court, like he will he will see it if you do it right. He will see the spot that the defense uh, is gap for. And sometimes you can call for that out of an ATO. Sometimes, but I, that's to me the special part of LeBron is that it's something that will he will take the advantage, but you have to be able to have guys that know how to just invariably create one. That's right. And the ability to extend one as well, I think, is is super important. And that that screen setting, I'm so glad the, the conversation has moved in this direction because that's something that just because you can pass doesn't necessarily mean that you have a feel for that. And that ability to screen and cut. I think screening and cutting in this respect are kind of two two sides of the same coin. And so that I think this year's roster compared to last year's, especially actually, let's compare specifically like the three guys from last year I wanted to talk about were Monk, Mello, and THT, 
right? All of whom have offensive value. And I don't want to say, especially THT and Monk, that they can't pass. But it's more of an off-of-the-dribble type of ability to drive and kick or drive and throw the lob off of the pick and roll. But they were not necessarily, I'm going to touch it and then I know exactly the next pass that it's going to be before the ball even touches my hands. I'm not going to go set that pin screen to go free up someone else. And these are the types of kind of like wheel greasing. Those guys were more finishers or creators than that spot in between. So this turn on the roster, two guys who are more... That that screen setter passer types, I think is I think that historically, along with the finishers, and that I think we're lacking in that respect, is that you know you might set a great pin screen, but that open ish wing three or corner three, you got to be still be able to make it. But I do think that those types of guys, Darius, like those are the the guys that have kind of built upon the foundation of shot creation that a guy like LeBron gives you in the first place, and even even a guy like Russell Westbrook, that they can kind of continue that wheel, continue that sequence until somebody's open. Let's go to break here because I do want to explore this idea more, particularly with Brown and JTA. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So yes, Pete, that guy or those players who both understand cutting and screening as well as passing, that is like the holy trinity of feel to me. And if you can do all three of those things, you're very likely to be able to play off of a superstar player. Have you ever written the holy trinity of feel before? No, no. That should be in this piece you got coming up. (laughs) I like that. That's a nice nice phrase. No, it's like we're just freestyling here, Mike. This is just weird. Like but like when Jay-Z, Jay-Z always freestyles, but and he might not write it down, but he remembers it and he's going to go put it on wax. He's going to go make sure it's in the suit. So I'm just saying, don't don't forget about the whole eternity of feel. All right. Well, <laughs> HTF, baby. <laughs> so. I'm interested in Brown within this context, Pete, because I know that JTA has a lot of this ability because it's how he came up within the warrior system, right? Like this is fundamental to the way that they play. It's why in the big picture, even though he'll never be paid what Kelly Oubre was paid, he was very likely a better fit for that roster than Kelly Oubre was. It was because of that screening, cutting, short roll, like, 
spraying the ball around. Passing. passing. Like, Oubre is a, a weak passer. He's a guy who's going to put the shot up like nine times out of 10, even if it is not the correct play to make. Yeah. Or even just that idea of I'm catching the ball in the corner. What is my read? And in a lot of times when you catch the ball in the corner, your read is either shoot or pass right away again. A lot of times you're actually looking for the relocation of one of the shooters that that the Warriors have. Anyways, so I know that JTA can do some of this stuff, and it's one of the reasons why I think that he was a very keen signing for the Lakers just because of his ability to do some of this stuff. Where the leap comes is doing it off of a player like LeBron versus doing it off of a player like Steph Curry. There is a middle of the Venn diagram there where some of the actions are going to be the same. JTA is going to have some opportunity to play in short role in the same way that he did with Steph, but the way that defenses jump out at you or jump out at the ball handler is different. And finding the right angle is different than it is playing off of Steph. And so... I'm interested to see where JTA makes that leap. But JTA has a head start because he's played with a great player before. A great player who knows how to pass, who understands how to leverage the attention that he draws in order to make teammates better. So one thing that I don't know how it comes up, it'll have to be natural, but when you have LeBron, and certainly if Westbrook starts the season, are guys like JTA and Troy Brown Jr., are, are they going to feel like they can go and and do something extra to make a play or is it is like is in other words is doing something outside of just a specific role where if brown feels like it's going to be in the corner and just like take a three and move it along or if jta so can those guys be instilled with a certain amount of confidence and and where is that going to come from and to me it's going to be it's going to be at least a little challenging early in the season but then again, that's maybe where one of these guys grabs the reins in that context and surprises you some. I just I think it's a difficult thing when you have LeBron and AD and Russ especially to come in and and take advantage of some of these potential opportunities. But uh, that's that's something that is a mix of personality and ability and coaching. I just wonder how that hits you, Pete. Like, do you think this is a team where where you can come in and, and have some sort of a or or is this connecting thing part of your point? Like, that's the point. Yeah, it is. It is part of the point. It's also if this group were together for three years to speak to Darius's point about continuity, then maybe that's the time where, hey, let's install some actions for Troy Brown or install some some things for JTA. Although we'll probably have some handoff stuff with with JTA. Um But yeah, that's when you're getting maybe a little deeper into it. What I see, this plays into the type of offense I expect us to run with the four out type of system is that I think guys are going to get a lot of reps in very specific roles. And I think that's important when you don't have continuity is that hopefully by the time playoffs come around, your connectors have had so many reps as attacking a closeout going middle, attacking closeout going baseline from the corner position, right? And then these are my reads coming off of that where if you're in year three or four of a system or like the Warriors where they're so deep into it that you're building upon the thing that you did the year before and the year before that, then you can get kind of fancy. But I actually don't want us to be very fancy at all with our offense. That 41 style that I was talking about last year is what I want to see this year, where it's like space the floor for your shot creators, let them create the advantage, have them swing the ball, hopefully to somebody who can keep that advantage going or knock down an open shot. And 
let's not make it terribly complicated. And that's what I see D is like, we're not going to have, if our playbook was a menu, it's not going to be the cheese cheesecake factory. It's certainly not in year one with the group. It's going to be one of those restaurants where you get a little, you know, one sheeter and it says, this is, these are the four things that we make. And this is what we do. Well, that's what I think our offense is going to be like this year. Yeah. Very soft opening of a new restaurant, right? Like, that's like, right. <laughs> like here's the three or four things that we do well and let's build a following off of that. And this is where I have not watched enough of Troy Brown in game action. And this is where it's different than watching clips. You need to watch a this guy. This is so true. Yes. You make a lot of mistakes if just watching clips. Yes. You need to watch a guy over the course of a full game. And all of these possessions where he doesn't even touch the ball at all. Like, what are you doing when you don't touch the ball at all. It's like one of the things that, and I'm not going to pile on Russ here, but I think that this is one of the mistakes that people have made with Russ in terms of like what he brings to the court as an on-ball player has a ton of value and dismissing that value is sort of silly at times, right? It's just like, yeah, like it's like how he said in that press conference that one day, well, I'm pretty sure if everybody could do the things that I do in terms of stacking the numbers, they would do it. And he had a point about that. The flip side is, though, is when all your values derive from from that and you may have negative value when you're off the ball and then you don't do much of the connective stuff as as an off the ball player, then there's this whole other world in which you're not doing enough in order to help your team. And this is where I am very interested to actually see Troy Brown in actual basketball games and see what it's like to watch him play. What does he do on on a possession where he does not touch the ball at all? Is he making the right cut? Is he bringing players with him? Is he setting the right screens? Is he trying to open players up? Is he making the right pass on those possessions where he does get a touch, right? And these are the things that if you've listened to Darvin Ham talk, about unselfishness. Now, he has framed this around this idea of of Russ, but I guarantee he's not just coaching Russ this way. This is going to be the entire team. It's Mm -hmm. what are you doing from an unselfish standpoint to help your teammates get to and be in a better position to succeed? And a lot of times that is going to be, do you run hard? Where are you running to? Do you cut hard? (laughs) No, do you cut hard? Do you cut at the right time? Are you going to make the cut that you need to make, even though you know you're actually not going to get the ball here? Like it's Mm -hmm. it's a guarantee you are not cutting to get the ball. You were cutting to create space and to open up something for that second wave cut, potentially, that's going to come behind you after the defense reacts to the cut that that you make. And all of that is related to that feel idea that I was talking about earlier. And if Brown has that. If he has all of those qualities, he's going to be super useful to this team because that means the Lakers, at any given time, you can have one to two of those types of players on the court. And those players are going to help the superstars be superstars. Mm -hmm. We always talk about how superstars make role players better, but the right types of role players make superstars better. We saw that last year with last year's team. We didn't, in the absence of the right type of role players, like I remember that first game, I think it was the first game against Golden State, LeBron and AD were amazing. And we were fighting for our lives that entire game because the role players just couldn't do what they needed to do. Just a couple of quick 
Califar notes. Um, haven't mentioned Jonathan Goldfarb in a long time. And, okay. and so I, I feel bad <laughs> about that because I was once serious. I'm, I, my mind starts working. I'm like, all right, well, we have to get the Holy Trinity of feel thing going, but I haven't had a displeasure scale come up in a while. And that made me remember that I have, have been ignoring Goldfarb references. So first things first, Darius, <laughs> what were the what are the three things again for the Holy Trinity of field? Just so I can write them down. Just passing, cutting, and screening. Now, <laughs> I don't think we need to necessarily do it now, Darius, but I would love for next week or next pod, three players that epitomize like sort of like the, tr- the Holy Trinity of feel top three players, kind of like the icons for that. Oh, I would sure. appreciate that. I assume sure. that magic is going to have a nice little spot there as part yeah, of how you ta- we're talking we'll the game. We're role player types, but, right? Like one of the sure. reasons why I always loved a player like Luke Walton is because this is the stuff uh, that Luke yeah, Walton yeah. did as, as a player within the context of the triangle, of course, but he was a guy who understood what the reads were and he understood where to pass the ball, when to set the screen that he needed to set and when to cut and to flash into open space in order to create something for himself or to open something up for a teammate. And Caruso was like this. And honestly, Pete, Austin Reeves did so much of this stuff so well Lassies. And one of the signature plays that I keep in mind about Austin Reeves, because he did this, I don't know, man, a half a dozen to a dozen times over the course of the season was when he ended up, it was either off of a swing swing or a skip, but he ended up with the ball in the right hand corner. And his proclivity is to either shoot that or drive hard. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that he did a ton of was after he caught the ball, he would whip the pass in to the post player. And Dwight was often the recipient Mm -hmm. of this pass, but he would then whip it in really quickly because as the defense is rotating, the guy who was often open there is the big man who is now sealed. He has opened up for a seal now. Yeah, that guy is checking the big man for a moment before he closes out to Austin. So that's a help the helper, help the helper situation. As that guy's closing out to Austin in the corner, that big is open for a fraction of a second and all those lefty passes and he throws them with great accuracy and velocity. That's how you get those buckets. And so he was one of the only players, Mike, who made that sort of pass last season. A lot of guys did not make that pass. Now, they may create other things out of that, like THT could drive hard, middle or baseline there and create a shot for someone else or for himself. Monk could do the same sort sort of thing. But that pass, that exact pass, wasn't one that a lot of players made. And this is sort of what I'm looking for from players in general. It's in that instance, and I think this is a perfect example of what Pete has talked about in, in regards to advantage extension. It's at that point, Austin's open for a split second and he could shoot that three and he could be the finisher, right? He could also try to drive the closeout and see if that also extends the advantage, right? But the quickest, most direct way to extend that advantage is actually that pass. If it's open, is that pass? Because then that extension goes from, and I've been playing more and more chess lately. And if you play chess where there's like an eval bar and here's your goal far reference, Mike. But if you're playing chess online and there's an eval bar that's showing you, 
you can go from like, oh, this is a 50-50 game or I'm up two points of material or three points of material to like, oh, wait, why is this say now saying like checkmate in three or checkmate in one? It's just like, oh, because someone blundered something and now all I've got to do is move my queen to this one square and I'm going to win. That's basically yeah, it. If you make that pass into the big man right there, that's a dunk. Yeah. Like nine times out of 10. That's checkmate. Dunk. You won that possession yep. right there. Like, right. like the possession is now over. And in bringing it back to Brown, I'm hopeful that Brown can be that sort of player because it's one thing to sort of have all of the passing from the top of the floor. Like, oh, I've got the ball some. I've got some handling ability. I can make the nifty pass when a guy cuts back door or slips or whatever. I can read that. That's great. You know, who used to make that pass a ton was like Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom would love Mm -hmm. that pass. But that pass is not the same as the, okay, just set set a screen. I'm diving to the nail area on the court. I catch a pass and suddenly like my back has been turned to a lot of the action on the court for most of this play. I was setting the screen. My, my focus is on the ball handler because I'm trying to create chemistry with him. Suddenly, I've got the ball. I turn to the basket. And what do my little spidey sense tingles tell me? Like, what? where is my and this mind? is all happening very fast. Oh, man. It's just like split second after split second. Like, these are frames of a shutter camera, right? It's just like click, 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 like, In each of those moments, you have to process information and figure out where the open guy is or even is the right play for me to shoot the ball myself to get downhill. Odom could also make that play. And so this is where you start to get into that Trinity Mike of can you do multiple things as a passer? Can you make all of these various reads? I think Brown, from what I've seen from him, he could make that first read. He could be the guy who reads the slip, who reads where guys are coming off of screens. I'm wondering, is he going to be the guy who can actually play in short role with LeBron? Because that's a different skill set. And I'm interested to see it, Pete. Yeah, that's something that that's a question for me with his passing as well, in that he came up kind of as that jumbo initiator that Mike Garcia really loves is he's, you know, a forwardish type of guy, but he can handle the ball. He's a guy that was running kind of point guardy type of actions. Those are different types of passes than that short roll that you're talking about, than that middle of the floor. I, he, I've seen him do it enough to where like I'm bullish on that, but I do think that remains to be seen. My question for you guys though, is we focus completely on offense as we've done often this, uh, this summer. I think feel is something defensively that manifests itself as well. And Brown is a good example of that. He's not a crazy athlete. Uh, he's more of a crafty anticipator. And that was something that I really uh, I really liked from watching him on tape. That was my favorite part of his defensive game, Mike, is that he's one of those guys that will take off a split second before everyone else does to read a passing lane and jump a passing lane. Or he's really good at that peel off switch on a pick and roll where all of a sudden he has the big and he's got a back pedal and he's good at like deflecting that pass or picking off that pass. But the common thread is that he kind of sees what's about to happen a little bit faster than a lot of players do. And I think that idea of uh, the, the holy trinity of feel, that may be true on offense, those three things, but I think that manifests itself on defense as well. And I think Brown has that more than it's like the great length and athleticism. I know he's got those tools, but it's more what I'm more impressed by is his anticipation. Well, I think you're right to point that out, though, because feel 
I don't know as much for Luke Walton because I think that Luke just loved to play the game a certain way and especially on offense. But Caruso and Reeves had feel on defense too. Uh, and especially now Caruso has more athleticism to kind of take advantage of that knowledge and feel on the defensive end. And that's where Reeves is, I, th- I think, still working to bulk up some to get a little stronger. But he's got he knows basketball like he knows anticipation. He knows where the off what the offense is trying to do. And all of this to me is is in that context for this Lakers team. And, and you asked about contrasting last year's roster to this year's. And all of that is in context with LeBron and A.D., and what the defense is going to be doing to account for them. And so if you don't have that feel on offense, and that's when you're having a guy like Monk or THT or Mello with the ball on one side of the floor and everybody else is just loaded up. And then those guys have to play. They have to go to that, you know, that create my own shot type of thing because the feel is, to me, the court is less open. Whereas in Golden State, if you get plugged into that system and since players are having to spread out all over the court – Well, all of a sudden there's more room and then it's easier to have some of the feel. So it's all tied together. Maybe Darius wants to take a thought there on the defensive end because I I wanted to bust out that last offensive thing with defenses loading up on LeBron and AD. Darius, did you want to put that in context on the defensive side? No, I think the point that Pete made about defense is spot on. I also think that if you are defending at a high level or and particularly can be a part of strong team defensive schemes, then you're very likely to play in front of the player who can't. And I think a lot of the camp battles that we're likely to see, we're likely to frame them through offense. Like, can you hit the open three? Can you do some of the feel stuff that we discussed in in terms of extending advantage? But if Darvin Ham coaches anything like how he talks, his mind is going to shift towards the defensive side of the ball and if you are able to then defend at a high level, I think you're very likely to to be a part of the rotation over a player who is showing less ability to to defend, but more ability to do a few of the offensive things that we often like to turn our focus to because those are the things that help you score points. And this is where I'm interested in Brown the most, too, is because I think he seems to have the most potential to fill in a bunch of gaps on both sides of the ball. And because he has size, he's like he's got some of that defensive tools. He's shown an ability to handle the ball some to pass some. He's shot 35 percent from three in a season like there's a lot of there's a lot of like, oh, you check this box sort of like it's it's sort of like a faint check mark. Right. But if you could start to put more of those in pen, then you'll be cooking with fire a little bit. And so please, Mike, close it all up here in terms of all of the both sides of the ball stuff and gear it back towards offense, because both sides are going to matter. But I think Pete's point about defense is super astute because. Brown is a guy who I think has some of that potential, but again, we need to see it. Well, these are all the reasons why that I, th- I think we've successfully talked ourselves into the possibilities, right, of Brown hitting this uh, this niche that they have to have uh, on this team for this team to really do something uh, and to be a little better. Like one of these guys, and, and maybe part of his JTA, maybe Reeves takes that big step, but Pete, they probably don't just need one; they probably need a couple. Right, Riggs, uh, of these guys to step into that spot. So, but the, the concept that you introduced, uh, I I think makes sense. And and yeah, man, now like we're we're still a little bit of time away from getting to realize it. But 
um, I'm with the theory. I think what it's going to come down to the the pessimistic view that I have is that our decent defenders can't score and our scorers can't really defend. And so if one of these connector types that we've been talking about today can find reliable ways to score, and again, this is not something that they are going to have to create themselves, but just be dependable in relatively simple situations. I think that that, those are the guys that are going to rise to the top because I do think that, as Darius was saying, that Darvin Ham is speaking from a perspective of defense first. And then whatever you can do on top of that on the offensive end is going to help. And I think that these connector types will will help in that respect. So anyway, this was this was fun. We will be back on Wednesday. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires, it's good, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left, Van Exel to win it, it's on the way, good! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans stick around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Two. Score. Miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.